Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. We've become familiar over the course of the summer with the words by faith, those featured words of Hebrews chapter 11 that we've been walking through during the course of the summer. We called it been calling it a tour of God's hall of faith. And today, that tour brings us to one of the final stops on this tour. We're going to take a look at the life of Moses. Did you know that in the Bible, more chapters are written about or by Moses than anyone else in Scripture except for Jesus? There is no shortage of things and events that the writer to the Hebrews could have chosen to highlight Moses' faith. But the one he chooses for us this morning is a choice that Moses made. A choice between the great life that he had as the daughter of Pharaoh, or the the son of Pharaoh's daughter, or a life with his own people in slavery, the Israelites. Let's take a look at how the writer to the Hebrews reports it in verses 24 to 28 of Hebrews 11. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. I'm going to guess that not too many of you have a trip to Egypt planned in the near future. But, but if you were to go to Egypt, maybe tops on the list would be a trip to see the pyramids in Giza, right? A lot of the kings, a lot of the pharaohs of Egypt, those were their burial places, especially from the older kingdoms of Egypt. But did you know that there's a second place that exists as well, a little bit further south in Egypt, called the Valley of the Kings, where some of the newer pharaohs were buried? Not too long ago, as a matter of fact, I believe it finished in January of 2019, one of those burial places, the vault of King Tut, do you recognize that name? The boy king, King Tutankhamun was his name. His entire burial vault was refurbished. So now if you go and visit Egypt, you can see at least a picture of what that place would have looked like. All of the riches with which King Tut might have been buried. That's the life that Moses grew up in. He was part of the royal family, adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. He had everything in his life. And yet, when it came to choosing what was best for him, the tough choice that Moses faced was really made a lot simpler through the eyes of faith. So today, as we think about Moses' choice to enjoy the pleasures of a life as an Egyptian versus being one of God's chosen people, we'll think a little bit about our own choices. And we'll do it on the basis of that idea, tough choices. And what we're going to discover today is that those choices are made easier when we first recognize that what is seen is fleeting. And then secondly, what is unseen is forever. 
If you were here last week or if you remember the early part of Moses' life, you remember the king's edict that said that every baby boy was to be thrown into the Nile and the faith-filled actions of Moses' parents to save their child. And then after three months, Moses' mother carefully placed him in a basket and floated it down the river where it was found by Pharaoh's daughter. Moses, after he was weaned, was adopted. He was adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. He grew up in the palace. His upbringing was an Egyptian upbringing. It's Stephen in Acts chapter 7 that tells us exactly how amazing that is in his defense before the Sanhedrin. He says that Moses was educated in all of the wisdom of the Egyptians and he was powerful in speech and in action. In a phrase, Moses had it all. He had material blessings, he had honor and fame, he had wisdom, and yet he was willing to give that all up. Moses was willing to choose to be considered one of the Israelites rather than continue to enjoy his life as the daughter, as the son of the daughter of Pharaoh. He didn't do that lightly, I'm sure. Think of what Moses had to give up in order to make that choice. The writer to the Hebrews really lays it out for us with two words in the text. The word mistreatment. What Moses chose instead of the cushy life that he had in Egypt was mistreatment along with the people of God. All of the problems that the people of Israel had became Moses' problems too. And then the second word the writer to the Hebrews uses is disgrace. Can you imagine the questions Moses must have faced? You had everything. You had it perfect. And now this is the life that you've chosen for yourself? But there's a phrase connected to that word disgrace that we don't want to miss. He chose that disgrace for the sake of Christ. You see, what Moses was able to do by faith was to look ahead, to look ahead to something of greater value than all of the riches that he could have possibly had in Egypt. Moses was able with the eyes of faith to see that something was more important than life in this world. So maybe we should ask ourselves this morning, is that, a, is that something we've had to face? Have we had to choose between two things so diametrically opposed as what Moses had to do? You see, what Moses understood is, is that, yes, he could see things, but that what he couldn't see was far more important. The unseen was greater than, than what is seen. Can you imagine the people that thought that Moses was foolish? The people who thought Moses was foolish thought that because they could only see what their eyes could see. You understand what I mean, right? They could only look at the here and now. They could only look at what Moses was giving up in his life here and think, how foolish, Moses. Maybe we haven't had that same idea as what Moses had to face. And yet, think about things in these terms. How do we use our time as followers of Christ? Aren't there things, choices that we make with how to use our time because we follow Jesus? Don't we spend time looking out for other people? Spending time in worship, in Bible study, in prayer? And why? All of the promises that God has made in his word are unseen. Or think about the use of our money. 
We use that money to, to help others. We give back to the God who gave us all of the things that we have first. And this is a God that we don't get to see. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand this morning. God is not calling on you and me to give up every material possession that we have in this life. No, the blessings that God gives in this life, the material things that we enjoy, the good life that God gives us here, it's something to be thankful for. But here's the warning that Moses gives to you and to me that God gives through the life of Moses. Don't put so much focus, so much emphasis, so much time and energy into the things of this life that are fleeting. Isn't that an interesting word? Fleeting? Something that you have in this life that you can hold and touch and in the end, it doesn't mean very much, does it? You see, what God wants you and I to find is the same value that Moses found in spiritual things, in the forgiveness of sins that we have through Jesus and the life that we look ahead to in heaven. We aren't really any strangers to the fleeting nature of things, are we? We know how easy it is to, to trust in things that we can see and touch, but they don't last, do they? As a matter of fact, I'm sure many of you are aware that if you would go out today and purchase a brand new car and you drive it off the lot that the car was purchased on, you know that in the next year that car will lose approximately 20% of its value and it will just keep going down from there. You probably all know the pain of a broken down car, making repairs in your home, clothes and shoes that wear out, right? That's the fleeting nature of the things of this life. And when we put our trust in those things, it is empty and meaningless. Moses understood that. Moses understood that, yes, while he could have enjoyed the pleasures of this world for a while, he was far better off looking ahead to something greater. He looked ahead and trusted that a Messiah was coming, the same Christ that you and I look back on. Moses may have had to give a few things up. We may have to make some sacrifices in our life, but they're nothing in comparison to what Jesus has given up. Consider with me just for a moment what Jesus gave up to carry out your salvation and mine. He left perfect heaven, the glory that he had there. He came to this earth to take on human skin, to be like you and me, to suffer, to die. Maybe the Apostle Paul wrote it best in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 when he wrote this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. That's what Moses looked ahead to. He knew the riches that were waiting for him because of what the coming Messiah would do. And so we're told he left Egypt. We read about that in Exodus chapter 2. He left Egypt not fearing the king's anger. What sustained him during that 40-year period of time when he was away from Egypt? He persevered by faith, the writer to the Hebrews tells us. And then this phrase appears in our text. He saw him who was invisible. Isn't that a marvelous play on words? that Moses saw him who was invisible. With the eyes of faith, Moses could see something that didn't appear physically. He looked ahead to blessings that God gave him in spite of the fact that they weren't visible to him now. 
See, what Moses trusted is that God was going to deliver the people from Egypt, and he did. Through the Passover that Moses led the people to celebrate, God took the people of Egypt out of that country and to the land that he had promised them, a land that Moses and the rest of them had never seen. They celebrated that Passover by the spreading of blood, the writer to the Hebrews reminds us, on the doorposts and door frames of the house so that the angel of death would pass over their homes. And that blood was a symbol. The blood from the lamb was a symbol of what the coming Messiah would do. The blood of the lamb of God which would be shed to take away the sins of the world. Isn't it amazing what faith's eye can see? Faith's eye can see not just the present, but especially the future. Faith's wisdom is not so focused on the here and now that it forgets what the end result is, the joy that we have waiting for us forever. Like you, I know how easily blurred the faith, faith's eyes can be. I think there's two ways that the devil loves to use to blur the eyes of our faith in this life, and, and one of them is through the things, the toys, the blessings that we enjoy in this life, right? There's always a danger, isn't there, that we're going to focus so much on the things of this world that we're going to forget about the life that is to come. But the devil also uses hard times, trials, frustrations. He uses those to distract us and blur our vision to make us short-sighted about what is really happening. And yet with the eyes of faith, we can see through all of that. We can see past all of that, all the way to the joy of heaven. Everything about your spiritual vision, your faith-filled vision, is centered in Jesus. Jesus who never lost focus. Jesus whose goal and mission was a resolution. A resolution to go all the way to the cross for you and me, to suffer and die there for our sins. A power, a power that left the tomb empty to guarantee that our sins are forever washed away and that our life with him in heaven is secure. So what happens? What happens when we can feel the the eyes of our faith getting a little bit blurred, our vision being blurred, blurred? How do you sharpen that focus? How do you get back to seeing what God truly wants us to see? Do you know that he doesn't make it a secret? You're doing it right now. When we hear God's promises, when we listen to his word, when we read and study those things that God says, that's what sharpens our focus. The eyes of our faith leads us to see the blessings of God because faith comes from hearing the message. The Apostle Paul described this so well in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 when he wrote this, Our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Because what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. That's what faith's eyes can see, all the way to the eternal blessings that God has in store for us in heaven. Some takeaways from the sermon today. Number one, the things we see draw our eyes, but but they are fleeting. And that's true both of the things that God gives us to enjoy in this life as well as the troubles and trials that we face. Neither of them will last forever. Secondly, Jesus left the riches of heaven to give us the blessing of eternity with him. It was Jesus' poverty 
that makes us rich. And then finally, number three, faith gives us a focus on God's blessings both here and forever in heaven. Right now, the eyes of your faith hang on to the promises that God says to you and to me that, that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. That God will be with us always to the very end of the age. That we can cast all our anxiety on him because he cares for us. And then that faith looks all the way to the perfect joy of heaven. Maybe we can simply ask ourselves today to finish up, how is our focus? How is our spiritual vision? Like every Christian in this life, we'll struggle from time to time. The devil loves to distract us. He loves to use fear. He loves to use anything that he can to put up roadblocks and stand in our way from seeing all the way to the joy of heaven. But when we see Jesus through the eyes of our faith, when we remember what he has done for us, it's then that we put everything in its proper perspective. The Apostle Peter wrote this in 1 Peter chapter 1, Though you do not see him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. That's what you and I have. Inexpressible and glorious joy through the eyes of faith that see our Savior Jesus. And when we clearly see Jesus by faith, it's then that life's tough choices are made easy. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding will guard and keep your hearts and minds. In Christ Jesus, amen.